2: it's is the Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. those Goldsmith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Grebarch, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. silicon win, Billiken win. Now from the Steeple Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman.
3: Thank you very much. It is a great day for the Pet Parade. It's a great day. To be outside and then be inside to watch. Or maybe you watch it outside. Anybody have those outdoor uh, TVs on their patio? Watch a little Super Bowl. That could be kind of fun. Do an outdoor Super Bowl party. What's the temp going to be at about 530? Uh, not as nice it will be as it will be at about 230. Uh, but it'd be a good day to do that. What a nice day in store today. Looks like 530. at yeah, 50 degrees, about 530. That's fine. Can't complain. Watch, yeah, watch the first half. Uh, the Chiefs. And the Eagles in Glendale, Arizona. Eagles, a one-point favorite. Let's start with this right away. Our pick for the Super Bowl, Andrew Price, my good friend, uh, who is part of the day program at UCP Heartland. He and I have a bet going. Uh, We did AFC-NFC Championship, and I said, if I sweep this, it's over. If you sweep it, it's over. If we tie it carries on to the Super Bowl, and the winner gets a prize of what uh, has not been specified just yet, but somebody gets a prize. Well, Andrew got it right on the uh, AFC. He had the Chiefs. I had the Bengals. He wins. NFC, he took the Niners. Big mistake, Andrew. Eagles took him down, baby. 31-7, to and I got news for you, my dear friend. Eagles are going to win this game today. Now, they're not going to blow them out. It's going to be a very close game. The over-under is 51. I like this to be 65. I'm going Eagles 34, Chiefs 31. That is my final answer. Now, a few years ago, I actually picked the Super Bowl score correctly, right on the money, and like a dummy i didn't bet on it i you know i should have when you when you think about you know wagering on the super bowl if you're going to pick the correct score should you shouldn't you like throw a little prop down on that correct score just to see what happens i don't know maybe you should maybe you shouldn't maybe it's just too much of a gamble uh but i did pick the score correctly a few years ago uh this time around i've got The Chiefs losing this one by a final score of 34-31. Here's my reasoning for that. I like the Eagles as a complete team. I think they are strong at every position, basically, uh, or the ones that are going to make a difference today. Offensive line, outstanding. They have two all-pros. Defensive line, they have one of the top pass rushers in all of football. In terms of quarterback, they have a young dynamic. I know he's dealt with a shoulder injury, but Jalen Hurts can absolutely throw the deep pass, and that could be a problem against a Chiefs defense that can be susceptible to the deep pass. They play a lot of rookies in the secondary. They have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and those two can go out and get it. Two 1,000-yard receivers on that Eagles offense. They also can run the ball. 39 rushing touchdowns in the regular season and postseason. That's an NFL record. They can run the football and run it and jam it in at the goal line when they have to. They don't do anything cute. They just line it up and run it. And I like that about the Eagles. They are strong at every position. The only thing that goes against them today, if the Chiefs have a chance today, it is the fact that the Chiefs are experienced in these situations. And when it comes down to play calling, Andy Reid has many years on Nick Sirianni. many. I mean, there's no doubt about it that if it gets down to X's and O's, Andy Reid will absolutely have a game plan for the Eagles today. And he'll have all kinds of creative ways to get the football to Travis Kelsey, to get it to his receivers, to get it to Pacheco, to get Mahomes loose and have a little bit of time. Uh, but, you know, the Eagles are solid. They don't get phased very easily. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. As much as I like the Eagles' defense, I think the Chiefs will score on them. I just don't think that the Chiefs will do enough to stop the Eagles today, and I got the Eagles 34-31. This should be an absolute blast today. If you love uh, the NFL, uh, you're going to have some fun today, let me tell you. It should be an absolute blast um, the, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl for the third time in four years. Uh, they won in 2020. They got smoked in 2021 by the Bucks. Remember, that game was not close. 31-9, to 9, Tom Brady and company uh, won that Super Bowl. 31-9 to 9 over the Chiefs. This time around, I do think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a great football game. And again, I've got the Eagles, if you're just tuning in winning this game 34-31. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Uh, but I, I, think the, I think the Chiefs come away victorious. Or the Eagles come away victorious here, and I just illustrated my reasons why. So there you go, Andrew Price. You wanted to know if we were square. Uh, we are. We're going to the Super Bowl. You versus me. I've got the Eagles. You've got the Chiefs. Good luck. Uh, again, I picked the correct score in 54 The Chiefs over the 49ers, 31-20. to I did that on the air, and we'll see if I'm right, if I can knock out another one, 34-31. Meanwhile, Missouri. The University of Missouri basketball team is so much fun. Drew, how many times have we said it on this show, over and over again, if the Missouri Tigers knock down threes, they are going to win the game. They were raining threes yesterday in Knoxville, and I said, see, there you go. They're up by double digits. They're going to win the game. I'm right again. And then, uh uh-oh, here come the Volunteers, a team that has really been very good defensively, started to roll back offensively. And Mizzou led them back into the game, and the Vols playing at home looked absolutely fantastic. That was until the final possession. You might have heard this by now, but we're going to play two ver- different versions of it for you right now. This is the television version. This is SEC Network. It's no Mizzou in Tennessee.
4: Two seconds. Let's it
2: go to the lead. And it looked
4: like, like he got it off. It looked like he counted. Oh, he got man. It. There was nobody else to pass the ball to.
5: There was nobody. You know, I mean, it, it, was,
3: it was. Yeah, just absolute chaos. I mean, the announcers are beside themselves on SEC Network. DeAndre Golston with a three at the buzzer. He does it again. As mentioned in this terrific call by Mike Kelly on the Tigers radio network from Learfield. Take a listen to this Mike's been doing it a long time. This is going to go up there as one of his best.
2: With 4.2 left, he's looking. He's looking. Gets it into Ghost in left sideline. Comes into the front court. Ghost a heave just inside of
0: half court. BAM! First against Central Florida and now against Tennessee.
3: Such a fun call, and he even has the historical reference that it's the second one for DeAndre Golson. He did do it against UCF, and he does it again, hits a 35 footer at the buzzer. Mizzou beats Tennessee, the number six team in the country, and for Missouri, they're now 19 and 6. So's Tennessee. Missouri 7-5 and five in the SEC, huge win, monster win. They were going to be in the NCAA tournament, I think, anyway. This one puts them in a really nice position. I'd love to see, I don't really at this point, I think it matters too much where they're ranked if they end up cracking the top 25 at some point. I think what matters is where are they going to be seated. And when you're in the upper half of the SEC and you're beating teams like Tennessee on the road, signature win, you're going to be thought of very highly. Now, they need to do well in the SEC tournament to finish it off. But a great win for the University of Missouri. I mean, an absolutely great win for Mizzou as they get the victory over Tennessee, 86-85. Mizzou Hoops tweeted their Television call and just put, are you kidding me? Incredible for Mizzou. Now, for Illinois, this is a team that very quietly has stabilized, has gotten themselves back into the upper half of the Big Ten in a big way. They're 8-5 and five in the league. They are 17-7 and seven overall. And I know people, including Illini fans, were down on their own team not anymore. I think this Illinois team is really good. Now, they lost at Iowa 81-79, but Iowa's kind of upstart. They're starting to get it together a little bit. Uh, Iowa's going to be fine. Uh, Iowa fans know that. I know they got beat by Purdue last week, but Purdue's the best team in the country right now. Uh, beating Illinois on the February 4th was a significant win for Iowa. Illinois should not be ashamed of that necessarily. They should be ashamed of some of their earlier losses. And then they came back and, I mean, locked it down because Iowa scored 81 points on them. This time they handled Rutgers and they handled him in a big way. They held this team down to 34% shooting. Illinois shot 48%. That's a big difference there. Rutgers was 4 of 16 from 3. And a very nice job by Illinois, out-rebounding Rutgers 37-31. Good Rutgers team, ranked 24th in the country. Illinois beats them 69-60. And when you look at the standings now, Illinois is 8-5 in the league, 17-7 and overall. They're tied for fourth with Northwestern, with Iowa looking up at them with a record of 7-6 and in the league. The number one team is Purdue, then Indiana, who beat Michigan yesterday, 62-61. Then Rutgers, then Illinois and Northwestern are tied behind them. So a big win for Illinois. They're putting themselves in great shape for the NCAA tournament seating as well. Now, taking a look at some of the other games in Division I basketball yesterday of local interest. Let's keep it there. In the Missouri Valley Conference, Drake hammered Southern Illinois 82-59, this is not a good development for Southern Illinois, which had felt pretty good about itself in the Missouri Valley Conference in a race for the number one seed. Drake flexes its muscle there and goes to 12-4 and four in the league. They're the number one team in the league for a reason. They're a really good team. I saw them earlier last week against Murray State. They stuck it to Murray State. Now they stick it to Southern Illinois. They are legit. They're 21-6 overall, 12-4 in the Valley. Southern Illinois and Belmont are number two behind them, both at eleven and five. But Bradley is also in good shape. Bradley absolutely torched Murray State yesterday, eighty-three forty-eight. When that Bradley team plays defense in their building, I don't know that anybody can beat them. Not I mean anybody. They're going to be scary if they get in the NCAA tournament. But they're also twelve and four, uh, tied with Drake. So they stay in a first place tie with Drake, with Southern Illinois and Belmont at eleven and five. And here comes sneaky Indiana State. They've won now five straight games. Their uh, win over Northern Iowa, 80-62 to 62 on the road, was very impressive. So they're 11-5. and five. It's a three-way tie for second in the Valley with Drake and Bradley each at 12-4 and four leading the way. So those are the top five teams in the league right now. Arch Madness is going to be nuts with all of those teams going head-to-head. In the Ohio Valley, all three of the teams of local interest lost. Southeast Missouri State lost to Moorhead State. SAUE, surprisingly, got beat by Eastern Illinois. Lindenwood lost at USI. We will have Travis Ford, the head coach of the Billikens, at 10-30. Right now, we're going to take a break. We're going to shift our attention to hockey. The Blues won last night 6-5 to five over Arizona at Enterprise Center. They also traded Vladimir Tarasenko this week. We'll get thoughts from Doug Armstrong in our Blues Breakdown and break down the Blues win over Arizona. Then I'll lay out the rest of the show for you. 10.30, Travis Ford. 10.45, the SLU women with a great win last night over George Washington, their head coach Rebecca Tillett with their star player, Brook Flowers, 11 o'clock hour, a Super Bowl discussion, as well as a Pro Football Hall of Fame discussion with Howard Balzer, longtime Hall of Fame voter and pro football writer, along with Joe Roderick down at Radio Row at the Super Bowl. And we'll also get into our Super Bowl breakdown in the 11 o'clock hour as we'll look at the game between the Chiefs and the Eagles and plenty of Cardinals. We'll scatter in some Cardinals talk as well as they are getting ready for some action at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium tomorrow as pitchers and catchers. Report and begin working out. You're listening to the home of the Cardinals and the Billikans, Sports, the Gray Bar. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX.
2: Welcome back to the Gray Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. Bill Smith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Gray Bar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Billikens win! Billikens win. Once again, from the Stiefle Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. Arnato standing in, waiting for Crowe, dangles the right arm, glove to his chest. He straightens, and from the stretch, with the runners leading all the way around, the pitch. Arnado rips it down to the field line. Fair ball! Two-run score. Goldschmidt comes around third base. He's being waved around. The relay to the plate gets away. 3 runs score. Arnato goes to third. The Cardinals lead 7-4 with two outs in the ninth inning.
3: There you go. Just want to play a little baseball because it's starting to warm up a little bit. Pitchers and catchers report. We're going to play highlights all morning. I just decided that, Drew. Cardinals highlights. Tom Ackerman back with you. Sports on a Sunday morning. The Gray Bar Sports on a Sunday morning here on KMOX. Looking forward to that. Matt Pauly, our very own, is heading down to Jupiter as we speak. Mike Claiborne's already there. Uh, Claib's going to have the show next week. This show. Next week from Jupiter, by the way, just letting you know that, Drew. Uh, Mike Claiborne will be hosting next week from Jupiter along with Matt Pauley, and he'll have interviews and all kinds of great stuff as Cardinals spring training will be a week into it, and then position players actually start working out that next day. So Monday the 20th is the day where they all start working out officially, but right now the pitchers and catchers, and pretty much everybody's down there. Also the World Baseball Classic, that factors in. So, we have a lot to do next week here on the show. The gray bar sports on a Sunday morning. Uh, with the Arenado highlight right there, while we're making predictions, we're going to get to our blues breakdown here in just a second. While we're making predictions, I'll just make another one. Nolan Arenado will be the National League most valuable player in 2023. I think he's going to have a monster year offensively. I think without this shift, I think you have a lot of trouble going against Arenado. He is a pull hitter. We know that. He can go the other way, but he mostly is a pull hitter. Maybe it got into his head a little bit uh, at times because he's trying to get the ball to go the other way. I know he will continue to try to do that. uh, But when you face, and he had a huge year even with the shift, I think with teams playing you a little more straight away now, it's going to be a huge year for Arenado. I truly believe that. I think he is your best offensive player in the National League. He is the best defensive player in the National League. He will be the MVP. I'm just going to pick it right now here on February 12th. We'll see if I'm right on that. Now, let's get to hockey as the Blues last night beat the Arizona Coyotes. They win it 6-5 to on a goal by Ryan O'Reilly with 102 on the clock into overtime, and the Blues get that win on the goal by O'Reilly. This was a wild back-and-forth game as the Blues saw their captain get the goal. Uh, Callie Rosen had two goals in this game. That's how crazy this game was. Uh, Brandon Saad had a goal. Robert Thomas had a goal. And Sammy Blay had a goal as he comes back. I like Blay. You know, big, strong guy, big smile, likes to knock people around. I think he really just enjoyed being part of this, and it hurt him to to leave all of it. He was a big part of the Stanley Cup run, and it's great to have play back. I, I, What a great run it was for Vladimir Tarasenko. It really was. I mean, a decade of having Tarasenko, Tarasenko in this organization, watching him develop as a scorer, helping the Blues win a Stanley Cup. Yes, there were some problems sometimes personality-wise where he wasn't happy. Uh, There were reports out of Russia that he told the media there that he wanted to be captain. He told the Blues that he wanted to be traded. They couldn't find a trading partner for him. Never totally happy, but it did not have to do with you, the fans. I assure you that. Vladimir Tarasenko loved wearing the Blues uniform at Enterprise Center and on the road when Blues fans would shower him with, praise. And I thought that was really cool, actually, the fact that the Blues fans still treated him extremely well, knowing that he wanted out. And they knew it wasn't about them. It was about his differences with the Blues as an organization and the way that he felt that some things were handled. And the Blues, you know, didn't like always the way Tarasenko handled himself either. But they put those things aside. They went out and played hockey, and he loved playing for the Blues fans. I truly believe that. Let's hear from Doug Armstrong. I think you'll hear it in his voice here because we know this was not easy, dealing with 91 and trying to trade 91. Ultimately, they do trade 91 to the New York Rangers. Here's Army in our Blues breakdown.
4: My relationship with Vlad is is uh, longer and deeper than it is with Meeks, uh, but um, glad he was drafted here and uh, – Uh, came over as a young man and uh, grew up with us and uh, allowed us to become champions and uh, I thank him for that I told him uh, that I wish he and his family nothing but the best as he moves on to New York and to uh to a different chapter in his life.
3: The Blues also traded, as he said, Meeks. That's Nico Mikola. That's a good pickup for the Rangers. It's a good defenseman for them to get. The Blues, however, get the key piece in all of this, a first-round pick. Had to have it. Must have if you're going to trade Tarasenko, and they got it. First-round pick and a third-round pick, and they also uh, get Hunter Skinner. uh, And, as I mentioned, Sammy Blay. Here's Armstrong on that deal.
4: I talked to Vladdy's representative uh, a few times during the year and just said that I was going to do my work uh, behind the scenes, and then when I had something like I did today, I would take it to to um, Paul Theophonis' agent and Vladdy, and they could make their decision. What I tried to work off of uh, a couple of years ago, I was uh, provided a list of teams that he would he would uh, like to go to, so I started with that group, and uh, I was able to find... a. Uh, a match uh out of that group uh so i was hoping that 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 didn't change obviously uh, new york's a a marquee city for for all players in the league so i was comfortable that when i called today that i, I would have been surprised if that had been an issue
3: so i know i said earlier that it was a third round pick technically it was a fourth round but the rangers are going to make the playoffs so it's going to move from a fourth to a third that's why i said that uh meanwhile tarasenko i mentioned that the blues are appreciative of him here is armstrong
4: well, i think vladdy did a great job uh when you go back a couple of years when he you know he's coming off the injuries and uh he has to be uh see if we could find a different uh spot for him and that was a tough summer obviously uh and so we weren't uh, we couldn't do anything there and he i thought he came back in great shape he had a great year last year and uh he's been a professional from uh, quite honestly from the day we drafted him uh that's just who he is he comes to work uh he put uh, puts hard work in uh, in the summers uh, i saw a video of him in the sun this year working out so he uh, has been nothing but a, a pro uh since he's been here and he he did everything we could ask for uh him on and off the ice to prepare to be a good player
3: so doug armstrong who has made some great trades through his career no question about it we'll see is he done making deals
4: <laughs> finish for tonight
5: <laughs> <laughs> so i'll go with this it's yeah. safe to assume that you're still looking at other moves i'll go with that
4: approach uh, i i would say that my job uh, the trade deadline is is early march and i like 31 other managers have to have to stay in contact and find out what, uh, what's available and when, what makes sense. And as I said, I'm not looking to rush to do anything. Uh, and you know what, I, I want to see how, obviously we want to see our guys respond. You know, we're, we're not playing great hockey going into the break. Now they've had time to regroup and refresh. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how they play uh, on Saturday and moving forward. I've been in Europe now, it's going to be a 15-day trip I get home uh, next Tuesday and I'll see them
3: live. That was Doug Armstrong speaking to the media from Europe he does get that win that he was looking for out of the gate long it's a weird NHL schedule where teams were playing earlier last week and the Blues sat all week and they didn't play until Saturday but they win six to five in overtime over the Arizona Coyotes and Doug Armstrong has a little more time it's March Third, That's the trade deadline. So a little more time to evaluate and make a deal. We'll see. Will the captain Ryan O'Reilly be dealt? Will Ivan Barbashev be dealt? Both of them have contracts expiring. Vladimir Tarasenko does get dealt. And a good breakdown right there from Army. It's 1031. Travis Ford, the head coach of the
2: Billikens, is next. Welcome back to the Graybar Sports on a Sunday morning. Well, Smith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Billikens win! Billikens win! Once again, from the Steeple Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman.
3: We are back. Sports on a Sunday morning. Graybar, thank you very much for your great sponsorship. Sponsoring this particular segment of the show are great friends at Royal Banks of Missouri. We appreciate them so much. Each and every year they sponsor this very chat with Billikins coach Travis Ford. Coach, thanks as always for joining us. We appreciate you. Hello. Yes, Coach. How are you? We appreciate you. Thanks, oh. as always, for joining us. <laughs> no,
5: appreciate you having me. I lost you
3: here. Yeah, uh, that's all right. We uh, got you. We got you. It's probably, it's probably yeah. our fault. You know, we're just te- <laughs> technically uh, trying to get you in there. So, hey, uh, let me ask you this. Are you watching the Super Bowl later today or are you watching film on Davidson? Can you pull yourself away from the office to watch some football today?
5: Yeah, I will watch a little bit. A uh, lot of film involved though today, not just on Davidson. You know, trying to watch a lot on ourselves as well. But uh, but no, I'll, uh, I'll 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 watch a little bit of the Super Bowl. I always enjoy that.
3: Yeah, I'm sure you do. Do you have a, a, a you have a dog in the in the fight here, or you you have a horse in this one, or do you just kind of watch it for entertainment value?
5: Uh, more entertainment. I, I'm probably pulling for the Chiefs, probably. Um, but uh, no, not too much. I. Uh, I don't get uh, that uh, that wrapped up into that as far as uh, football is concerned.
3: Yeah, I hear you. I I don't really yeah. either anymore. You know, I grew up a Cardinals fan. Yeah. They left. Then I I liked the Browns for a little bit, and then the Rams came along, and I rooted for the Rams, and of course covered them for a long time. Then they leave, and I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit back and just watch games and enjoy myself, and I don't have to worry about it because my Sunday is going to be good anyway. Uh, regardless, my team won't determine how I feel on Sunday.
5: No, that's and that's probably a pretty good approach. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and I'm kind of like that with the uh, NBA as well. Uh, now Celtics are kind of my team now, uh, but I love I love the NBA, love the NBA, watch the NBA quite a bit, but not you know I don't go into it and wins and losses don't affect my uh, my next uh, my next day or the next hour. So uh, it, uh, I enjoy watching all professional sports really.
3: Yeah. I feel that way too. I I am a Knicks fan, but I learned a long time ago that that's going to be a tough road. I became a Knicks fan as a kid (laughs) (laughs) because we didn't have an NBA team here. So my dad's, uh, one of my dad's best friends, uh, lived in New York city still does. And so when I was a little kid, I went up there, saw Patrick Ewing and the Knicks and, You know, absolutely loved them and followed them throughout. But I don't let it determine how I'm going to feel. Now, you know I feel a little bit differently when it comes to college basketball. I've got a few teams I keep an eye on. In my alma mater, Indiana, uh, Mizzou, I grew up a fan of the Tigers. And my partner, St. Louis University, which, you know, right now I know it's not easy. um, But you still have a lot ahead of you. I talked to Chris May at halftime calling the women's game yesterday. And we both talked about how you look at this schedule – and there's still a lot of time here to get right uh, you, when when it's go time for the a ten tournament, you want to be playing your best. The question is how do you get there?
5: yeah, that's the question uh that's that's the challenge and you know uh, for for me and for our team we you know we've gotta we've got to concentrate on this thing not just one day at a time but what what do we need to do to be our best to get everybody kind of on the same page as far as playing their best uh, individually so our team uh, can be great. I've always said, and you know, I think in any team sport, you know, uh, and I think basketball is an ultimate team sport, every individual has to be their best in order for the team to be their best. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had a, a little bit of a challenge of that uh, this year, had a lot of ups and downs. Um, but, I, you know, as I told our team, I believe in our team, I believe in our guys. Uh, I, I still think we have the best left in us, but we don't need to look at, you know, the total big picture. We need to concern ourselves with the here and now and figure out what we can do to be better. And uh, we've said that, and, you know, we're still, uh, we're still searching a little bit, but uh, I, I think it's in us. I really do. I think it's in us, and uh, we'll find out.
3: Yeah, you're opening up a two-game homestand here. Wednesday night, Chaffetz Arena taking on Davidson at 8 o'clock, one of those late starts where the fans can get some dinner and grab a drink or two before they head into the arena and then get after it. You beat Davidson once already on the road. Now they'll be coming in here. But before that, let me just rewind a little bit back to Dayton because that, I felt like, was a tale of two games. I mean, you came out as hot as can be. It looked really good. Uh, just weren't able to close it in the second half. What did they do to, to hold you down?
5: Yeah, you know, going back, and looking at it it's a lot of little things. Um, you know in the in the first half, obviously we we did get off to a great start so today, uh they they made some threes, we we're both making some threes and making some shots. It gets close to the end of the first half, we missed the front end of a one and one. Uh we missed a couple of layups here and there, a couple of open shots, they convert uh and go up 7 at halftime. Um and then the second half so you know, other than, you know, we, we early in the second missed some open shots that you know kind of need to go down to start the second half. I mean, wide open shots, some shots at the rim that I again that I thought if they just go down they keep you in the game. But neither one of us could score uh, in the second half. We scored twenty two points. They scored twenty nine. I don't think either either one of us probably are happy with that number, even though they you know they it was enough for them. We just couldn't keep them off the foul line. At the end of the day, that was the difference in the game. Um, You know, they I I think they shot 19 free throws in the second half um, and, you know, only made one more field goal than we did. Uh, we just couldn't keep up up the foul line. And uh, that was, the, at the end of the day, that was the difference.
3: And you just weren't able to score on them. They, they really held you down there in the second half, shooting 24%. Uh, they did find a way to keep you under 60 points. Uh, the 56 points was the lowest in the eight ten 10 schedule. That said, I mean, Dayton's really good. Um, and that said, you know, what's interesting to folks who talk about SLU. I mean, you were still and still are um near the top of the league. I mean going into that game they were 8 and 4 you were 8 and 3. You actually had an edge on them in the standings and they were able to get you now at 9 and 4 and you're 8 and 4. 8 and 4 still puts you in the top handful of teams in the league. Now it's just a matter of finding a way to get on a run.
5: Yeah, you know, as I told you, we don't need to concern ourselves too much with all that other than trying to bring out the best in each each and every player so we, our team can be the best and so we can you know uh and you know start being a little more consistent uh be at a high level um, you know we've shown glimpses of it uh, and don't we don't need to get caught up into any outside you know that all the, that where we are in the league and all that stuff will take care of itself if uh if we continue, if we could continue to try to just get better uh, and be the, and get the most out of every every single player at this point,
3: yeah, I hear you. you, you did mention uh, last one, if I recall last conversation, one of the things that when you're at your best, you share the ball extremely well. I think you also would need consistent scoring from Jimerson and Perkins to go along with Collins. If that trio starts to light it up, you could be in much better shape offensively.
5: Yeah, no question, no question. Those guys can put the ball in the hole, and, you know, on any given night, um, you know, they they can score some points. But when we've been at our best, when, you know, we went on a run where we won six in a row in the league, and I think three or four of them were on the road, it was really when everybody was going. The bench was really stepping up. You know, guys like Sincere Parker and Jake Forrester and, um, you know, uh, these guys were having big games. We know what Javon Pickett can do on any given night. That's when we've been at our best. When you've gotten a little bit from everybody uh, and, you know, we've, when we've rebounded the ball very well, we didn't rebound the ball with any physicality the other night at all, no physicality whatsoever. Um, that's when we're at our best. And, uh, you know, once we keep, if we can get back to that, then uh, I, I, I think good things can happen.
3: The Billikens trying to pick up a home win against Davidson with the tickets available and a house that you know wants to be rocking as you continue to play your schedule. This Davidson team was rocking against you. That place was pretty wild. You were able to pull out a road victory. Just overall, scout Davidson for us without giving away anything to the opponent. But how do you see them? How do they play? Not the team that we remember from past years, but still very good.
5: Well, no, they are picked preseason fourth. Yep. Uh, so, you know, and uh, they've got everybody. They've got a first-team all-conference player and Foster Lawyer who, uh, you know, is a, a guard who can put up big, big points. And, uh, you know, they've got a center inside. that's a matchup problem. He knocks down threes with consistency. And a big, strong, left-handed player. Uh, they shoot the three from all five spots, which is always – You know, not an easy thing to guard. Um, So they shoot it from all five spots. You know, so they've they've won big games, Um, but uh, kind of been similar to us. We probably have a little bit better record, but uh, probably haven't uh, played as well as they thought this season. But they've got a really good team. Uh, Everybody's healthy for their team. Uh, And, and again, like I said, they were picked preseason fourth uh, in, in our league.
3: Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I would not be fooled if I'm talking to the fans here with a record of 11 and 13 no. and four A in the league. Do not be fooled by that. I mean, if you, anybody that no, saw no. the game that you played at Davidson, they're they're legit. They're legit.
5: Yeah, no doubt. You, and you look at all their games here lately; they've all been very, very close. The ones they've lost, it's usually been by one, two, or three points. Uh, they lost by I think one or two yesterday at the very end at the buzzer uh you know so uh yeah they're they're a really really good basketball, a very veteran team, guys have been together for a while, they brought in some transfers that have really helped them. But, uh, but yeah, a dangerous team, no
4: doubt.
3: I don't want to keep you too long, but a last thing for you. I did call the women's game last night, and what a delight they are to watch. I mean, they, they win another game, 76-64 over GW. Rebecca Tillis' team's won five in a row, and anybody that was paying attention saw it coming, I think. They, they play well together. Uh, pretty fun to see what she's building over there.
5: Yeah, no question. Rebecca's done a great job. Uh, Brooke Flowers is a special player. You always have a chance, you know, when you got a player that can dominate the inside and block shots, rebound, score, do a little bit of everything. Uh, but no question, uh, they're definitely on a roll, and it's exciting to watch.
3: We'll hear from both of them next, Rebecca Tillot and Brooke Flowers. This is Travis Ford, the head coach of the Billikins. His team plays on Wednesday night. They take on Davidson at Chaffetz Arena at 8 o'clock. We wish you the best with it, and thanks as always for joining us and talking some ball on KMOX.
5: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
3: Appreciate it. Our visit with Travis Ford, sponsored by Royal Banks of Missouri. We'll come back with Rebecca Tillett and Brooke Flowers. Some college basketball discussion continuing on KMOX right after this.
2: Welcome back to the Gray Bar.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports on a Sunday
2: morning. Smith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer.
0: Graybar, your
2: distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Millikens win! Millikens win! Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman.
3: Upside for Calhoun. Calhoun, the shot clock at three. McMakin, baseline, Jay No. Flowers, cleans it up and scores with 45.9 seconds on the clock. Big bucket there for Flowers and the Billikins to take a six-point lead. She crosses the timeline. They back off of Robertson. She lofts up a three. She misses it. Billikins win. Slew wins it. 76-64 in what might be one of their best wins of the season. And that's saying something, considering they've ripped off now five in a row. A terrific Atlantic 10 win over... George Washington and St. Louis is 7-5 in the Atlantic 10. Courtside it is, and here's the visual. Fans coming on the floor, getting ready to get some autographs. This team that they've fallen in love with now has won five straight. I'm telling you, get in now. Shea Fitz Arena, Tom Ackerman with you. Billikins win over GW 76-64. We are joined by head coach Rebecca Tillett. There you go again, beating another team near the top of the league. Congratulations.
6: Thank you so much, Tom. Really, really excited for our women. You know, defense, man. We've been talking about it. We want to improve it. Um, You know, to hold them to 30% shooting from the field. Uh, I think make them do something they didn't want to do from the three-point line. Um, And then just. You know, a well-rounded effort by our women. I was just saying to them in the huddle, there a couple women that didn't play that said critical things, Ashley Connor, Belle Tillett, are giving strategy and, and game advice that's critical, and we need it. And so just contributions from everybody.
3: That's a great point, is that you have a lot of eyeballs on the bench watching all kinds of different angles. You use all of that information, staff, players, players on the floor. So many conversations are happening.
6: So true, and I think that's what the team game is, right? Everyone's uh, input matters, and if everybody pays attention at the level that you need to pay attention to in a game, I mean, how much does a coach learn from watching the game after we play, you know, in it and we, we coach it? So I just think really good job by our women. Um, I thought Brooks intensity today uh, about our defense and, and making it really good was really important and critical for us today, and if we want to be the team we want to be when we hit the tournament, this is a huge step in the right direction That's defensively. That's a
3: classic Atlantic 10 game. That's a good team over there. And they were trying to push Brooke inside, too. Ty was a good player. She really in is.
6: Gosh, and her hands. I mean, she got one steal. We were saying she's on the ground and on her knee, and she stole it. And we are like, guys, be careful passing nearer and around her.
3: Yeah, it's impressive. So you look overall, too. Something that happened early on in the game and really continued out, was that you spread the scoring around. You know, you know, not one person took over the scoring category. Brooke, obviously, with 21 big points. But McMakin had 15. Kennedy had 13. You really found a way to get your scoring going and, and getting the ball distributed.
6: Yeah, I think also just really good shot selection by our women. Really high percentage shots that we took today, which is something we've been talking about and working on. I think the team will be bummed. We really did want four in double figures. We had a couple people close. Uh, so we're actively pursuing that as well Um, but yeah sharing it uh 15 assists one short of our our goal there but julia again eight assists just you know really really special
3: and then finally you're seven of 16 from three that's as efficient as can be they're eight of 40 from beyond the arc what do you attribute that to in terms of scouting when it comes to three-point shooting
6: yeah, I think for us, we absolutely think we can make threes, and we just need to do it. And that's really what it's been about. Um, and I think, again, to our shot selection. And then for them, you know they do take pursuit threes consistently, but we felt like at halftime that we were making them do something that they didn't want to do. They were pursuing more threes than normal. They had 23 at halftime. So we actually thought that would be in our favor. Now, of course, it's a little skewed at the end of the game because they had to take threes, right, because we had built a little bit of a cushion there. Um, but, yeah, just really, really pleased with our defensive effort against a really good team. That was down; They were down a couple players, so that's that's noted as well. Um, but excellent performance by our women.
3: Okay, one little non-basketball thing, although it does count, and that is this, this atmosphere, this, you know, sell us on, if you would. February 19th, a 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon game. Football season's over. There's no football to watch on Sunday against LaSalle. 2 o'clock tip here
6: you know what, part of the reason I came to St. Louis and why these players have come to St. Louis is we know that the St. Louis community supports great teams. And this is a great team in development. And so we've had people along the journey the whole way, and then we've got some new people figuring out what this team is about. We, we need the St. Louis community to help us continue to grow and to make us one of the most dangerous teams in the A-10 tournament.
3: You can see it coming. We've been saying it over and over, and now here you are, five in a row for the Billikins Congratulations. That's a big win over GW, 76-64.
6: Thank you so much, Tom. Appreciate your coverage and love of women's sports.
3: Absolutely. There's Rebecca Tillett with us on the Billikins Radio Network game. Thank you. 21 points for you. That's just part of the story. Let's talk about your defense and, and how you wanted to – R- ramp up the intensity defensively mm-hmm. is what it looked like
7: um yes I the coaches were challenging me uh, before the game and really all the forwards uh tywo on George Washington she's a very you know strong offensive rebounder she brings a lot of hustle plays um, and you could see that especially towards the end of the game she started kind of making a lot of hustle plays so you know the coaches challenged me to make those hustle plays and match her physicality. So I came in with a really strong defensive mindset because I wanted to meet, you know, the challenge that my coaches had set for me for this game.
3: And then just overall, the team defense was lights out today. I mean, just finding a way to keep their shots down, but also just making hard shots for them.
7: Um, Yes, I think that... Once again, the coaches have just been challenging us to take that step and our defensive prowess and our defensive pride, and I think that today was the day that we decided, like, we're going to play defense, we're going to contest every shot. Uh, We knew it was important, you know, to play defense to win this game because we were playing a really good team. And, yes, we can score, but we have to get stops as well. So we finally were able to – do that and, you know, just rise to the challenge that our coaches have been asking to see from us all season.
3: That's Brooke Flowers. Women's team is fun to watch. They play with great energy. They have a lot of fun out there, but they are intense and they win the game 76-64 over GW to go to seven and five in the league. They've won five in a row. When we come back after the news, more Super Bowl discussion and the Cardinals
1: on KMOX.